Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming out to the panel series here at Big Pine Comedy Festival. Today's panel topic is comedy rebuilding after a bomb. We have four panel participants, and we also have a rotating guest chair. We'll discuss their personal stories of bombing, how to recover when it happens, and how to embrace it when it does. We'll have an audience Q&A towards the end of the panel, so hold on to those questions. So without further ado, let's meet our panel. We've got Jay Hollingsworth from MTV and Comedy Central. Hi. And All Deaf Digital. We've got Carlos Rodriguez from the USO Tour, and he is also a comedy booker. We've got Jill Kimmel from Heart of the City. And Lisa Landry, from Comedy Central and The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson and Comics Unleashed. All right, so let's get this started as we talk about bombing in the comedy industry. So what moment that you bombed really sticks out in your mind? Who wants to tackle the first bombing moment? I don't know if I'm emotionally stable enough for this. (laughs) You can do it, you can do it. I will tackle it. My first, I mean, not the first bombing, but the first sincere, real crowd bombing, holy shit, why am I doing this for a living? I wasn't even doing it for a living. I had a real day job, and this was just like, you know. I was opening at the Tempe Improv, which I had no business doing. (laughs) Um, Dan Murr, he had a little rotation of comics that he liked. There were five of us, and I somehow was one of them. Don't know how, but I think he needed a woman. And um, I was on opening for Jeff Ross, who was a family friend. So I was super excited, like, oh, my God, I'm going to impress him. I'm doing stand-up now. And um, I ate so much shit during that show. Like, the crickets were like, like, there were not even crickets. It was the silentest. I, I was crying when I got off the stage. And I only did five minutes. So it's not even like, that's all that we were allowed to do at the time. And I was crying. I got this. T- Rob Little was the feature, and I was like, I was like, you know. And I was talking to like the DJ, who was like our sound guy. I was like, you know, I mean, wasn't it the same set? I mean, he's like, it was. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm crying, and Jeff comes out and sees me crying, and he's like, yes, yeah, stop that, <laughs> stop the crying. And I was like, I mean, I just wanted to. And he was like, listen, they came to see the Roastmaster General. And they got mom comic. And I said, but I have to be clean. Like, we're told we can't curse. We have to be very clean. Dan's very specific. He goes, this is my show. I'm the fucking headliner. If Dan has a problem with it, he can take it up with me. Go out there and curse. So I didn't have any other jokes, really, besides those five minutes. So I begged the... um, the little booth where, you know, like where you go up to the window, the will call window people, I begged them to let me go onto their computer, log on to their email and go into my Yahoo email account. That's how long ago it was. And their computer was so slow, but I had a list of jokes that I had emailed to myself. And I found one that I thought I could do. And I went up and I told the crowd, I was like, so what, you expected Roastmaster General, you got mom comic? What if I tell you to go fuck yourself, sir? How about that? How about your balls, sir? How about your balls? Are they okay? And then they were laughing, and I was like, oh, he's right. Like, this is his crowd. They want that kind of material. And then I told my little joke, and I got off stage, and, um, and, and I killed myself shortly afterwards. And it's fine. It's fine. It was very devastating. 
Carlos, how about you? Um, is is your moment similar to that? Kind of being on a big stage, like a moment where you really bombed? Uh, no, the the uh, the moment I bombed was uh, the very 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 first time I went up. Uh, I went to uh, so I was I was at a continuation high school, and uh, this teacher uh, I was killing it in the class, and the teacher was like like he was like oh you're you're he, you know, messing up his whole class thing. He was like, you think you're funny? I go, I'm hilarious. And he was like, uh, you think you could do that open mic? And I was like, I made 30 kids laugh. I can make six drunks laugh. That's going to be easy, you know. So he takes me, he sneaks me in the bar. I'm 16. He sneaks me into this bar. And uh, I go up and I eat shit. I, I don't, because I, I thought I could just go up with nothing. Like, just this is God given. I could just be silly and work itself out. And then uh, I got off, and he goes, uh, I go, is this every week? And he goes, yeah, it's every week. And I go, well, I want to come back. And he goes, like, why? You're not good. <laughs> and I go, I know. I know I'm not good. And I go, I, I go but I learned something. And he goes, well, what'd you learn? And I go, I learned, I, learned, I learned two things. I learned people are laugh because I'm funny, or people are going to laugh just to get me to shut the fuck up. And I got to figure out which laugh I'm getting in real life and then start that with the, in comedy. So that's, that's my first bombing, and that's what I learned the very first time I went up. I'll do it. Right. Me? Okay. Um, it, it's similar to you. I got overbooked. I was booked to go feature in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach, but I had no business doing so. And I got there and I had to cover 30 minutes. And I was told by the guy who booked me, who knew I didn't have the time, just tell a story. You know, just go up there and tell stories. And I told a wildly inappropriate story about a couple. <laughs> that I partied with one night in Greenwich Village and about how the wife took a dildo out from behind the bed, or under the bed, rather, and started fucking her husband in the ass with it. And That's right, my bit. It's probably inappropriate here. Is it sunset yet? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, I told this story about how she was, you know, fucking her husband and uh, looked up at me because I wasn't interested in it. I just started petting the kitty cat that was living in their home. And um, she's like, are we making you uncomfortable? And I was like, no, because you're not scaring me, but I, I don't really want to do this with you. So they invited me to breakfast, and we did some more cocaine. And um, I had about 300 people in the audience just staring at me like they wanted to hurt me. <laughs> totally, totally fucking inappropriate. But um, it was a very long ride home to New York City. Yeah, that was my worst bomb ever. Because then you're sit, you know, sitting there in the car driving home thinking, how could I have made that better? And you probably by being a professional comedian for six or seven years before getting that booking. <laughs> That's, That's all you can do. Uh, I, well, any of the Phoenix comics can attest I've been... I'm working on a new hour, so I've been bombing pretty consistently the last couple of months <laughs> trying to work this new shit at the open mics. But uh, my first one that I remember is uh, uh, about two years in... Uh, the 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 only A club in the Northwest Parlor Live in Bellevue, Washington. Jeff dies headlining. Harold Gomez is featuring, who is a buddy of mine. You know Harold, right? Yeah. And Harold vouched for me to get a guest spot, so I do this guest spot, and I'm clo I'm closing. I'm ending my on the joke about how people assume I'm I can lift a lot of weights in a gym because I'm so big, and I have to make excuses why I'm so weak. So I'm like, oh, I had shoulder surgery, blah blah blah. But by the end of it, I'm like. I'm like, yeah, I've been there so long, I'm running out of excuses. So I just go, yeah, I've been so weak ever since I got AIDS. <laughs> and the whole room just get, fucking 300 people. Oh, good night. <laughs> I walk off. I'm in the green room just like, well, I'll never get fucking, I, you know, I'm like, sorry, Harold. Harold goes up. Harold's destroying. I'm just in the green room hearing him crush. 
He gets done. Good night. Fucking crowd's going crazy. I'm on the couch in the green room, head down. Harold kicks open the door, light shining from behind him. The whole crowd's still going crazy. He just goes, that's what I do. <laughs> like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I ended up, the, the manager, I was like, I'm sorry. And he was like, oh, no, it was fine. And in my head, I'm like, what the fuck? I found out later he never watches sets. So, And I ended up being the house MC there for three years. <laughs> but that was, that was the worst. What are some of your go-to saves uh, when you guys find yourself bombing, and how do you adjust and correct on the spot? I uh, I identify it as soon as it's happening. I'm like <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is not going well, and I know it. I'm very self-aware, and I go, but this is going to be a great car ride when I'm with comics going to a better gig. <laughs> so that's what I usually do. I identify it and enjoy it and just roll with it. Yeah. I I do one of two things. Sometimes I'll do that, uh, and you know you can address it. Um, Another thing, uh, Emo Phillips told me a long time ago uh, as advice, he was saying, well, I mean, like, well, for one, we're the only ones that know, uh, you know, if, if some, nobody laughs at your punchline, we're the only ones that know that that was a punchline. So if you do a joke and you hit a punchline, it's dead silent. If you don't address it, then as far as the audience knows, that's just still part of a setup for the yes. next punchline. Yes. So, yes. you know, like uh, Emo was saying that, you know, you, if, if something doesn't hit, you're building the tension. The audience wants to laugh, so that next punchline may hit that much bigger. So if you don't call it out, you know, and you if you're a fucking cool cucumber, yeah, you may that's just. That's what I do. I yeah. try to play it off. Yeah. I act like I meant to do that. Yeah, like, yeah. that AIDS line. I didn't think that was good. <laughs> yeah, this this whole seven minutes of silence was planned. <laughs> um, I usually just say I'm killing it, yeah. and then. Uh, they laugh. I, I do crowd work. I, I really like crowd work, though. I frigging love crowd work. So I usually go into crowd. And how do you guys um, handle when you do bomb? Uh, how do you process the it? The same way as when I kill. Yeah. I go back to the room and smoke a few joints. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. I get sad. I hate myself yeah. until my next set. I just thought about it. I, I obsess yeah, over happen. it. I tell the staff how bad I was. I tell my boyfriend how bad I was. I call my cousins. I tell them how bad I was. I tell everyone how bad I I don't want anyone in that room to walk away thinking that I think I did well. Oh, I want yeah. everyone to know I was terrible. I want you to all know I'm acknowledging that. And they're all like, Okay, like we were serving Long Island. I yeah. am guilty. Catholic. Yeah. Yes. Very guilty. Yes. I would, I would say it's also for me. It's, it depends on the show and, wh and what I mean by that. If it's a paid show uh, that you're featuring, headlining, hosting, whatever, and you bomb, then yeah, it's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of reflection and stuff like that. An open mic, though. I don't really give a fuck uh, at an open mic because uh, to me that's what it's not. It's not like you're oh I want to go up and bomb, but I mean that's the gym. That's where you should be shit. risking shit. And although we and know you do terrible at the gym, so <laughs> I'm just saying. Jesus, <laughs> so you know, much, you know, nice fat shaming, Jill. Um, so, uh, but yeah, like I mean, uh, like with open mi mics, I don't, I don't give a, I, I don't give a fuck about an open mic. My mentality, like when working a new joke is uh, as comics, you know, we know what funny is. So like when you think of a premise and in your head you're like, oh, that's funny. Then right there in my head, I'm like, oh, that's funny. It's decided. That's 100% funny. Now I just got to work the joke out. So when I go to an open mic, I don't need comics to confirm if it's funny or even the audience. Uh, I just got to rep it and work it out and see do the audience laugh at something that I didn't even think about and uh, just keep working it, you know. So I, I don't necessarily 
bomb Mikey or uh, mind bombing at open mics. But if it's a, a weekend show or something like that, yeah, that's you fucking got to make some adjustments and and uh, look at what's what the fuck is going on. It's also funny because your 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 degree of bombing changes as you get older and are more into comedy because it's like like yeah, and it's like I, I'll have a good set. But I, people were like, that was a good set. And I'm like, it fucking sucked, man. Yeah. I bombed. Yeah. And they're like, you didn't bomb? I'm like, yeah, I did. Like, I could have did so much better. There was a lot of things I messed. I, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't in sync. I wasn't in pace. I just did what I needed to do to survive and get out of there and save face. And then I feel like I cheated. And then I bombed. And I know I bombed. And then I just feel like shit. And that feels, that bombing feels like, like, like. You ask your crush out, and they're like, they just like you as a friend. <laughs> like, I like to oh, confer with the other comics. Like, what do you think about that crowd? What do you think? How did you feel about that crowd? Right? Because if Not everyone's like, man, that crowd was out, you're like, okay, good, it wasn't just me. Because <laughs> then it does kind of this give fucking you cruise that, ship. like, okay, yeah, fucking A. I was, first cruise ship I did last week, I was like, oh boy, everybody's asshole's real tight and puckered on this bitch. But like, you know. Right. It's like you have to because sometimes it uh, it is important to know, no, that crowd was tight for whatever reason, because then you don't beat yourself up as much. But sometimes you're like, mm, no, I was offensive and terrible. Well, and kind of going off that point, Jill, what are some of your thoughts on why bombing is important? It makes you reevaluate what you're doing as far as your material sometimes, depending on the audience, like you're saying. I mean, like, if you have a bit you keep doing and it's just not ever going to work, it makes you reevaluate what you've written, for me personally. Yeah, it's the gauge. Like, I, I've always said, I, for, for me, comedy, I know some comics are like, oh, I got that first laugh and I was hooked. It's never necessarily been that for me. For me, it's always the, the I think you're the same, science of comedy. Like why? Yeah, it's uh. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, as an example, like uh, God, it's so it's the worst fucking just talking your jokes out. But I, for the longest, I had a joke about um, about doing the women's march, and the long story short is, I get to a point where I'm like, if my best friend Kane was a woman, because I say my friend Annie, who's a feminist, it's like about uh, we want the same respect men show each other, and I'm like that's not how men are. So for the longest, anyways, I'm like, if my best friend Kane all of a sudden was a woman, I wouldn't be like, hey, we respect you, blah, 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 blah. I'd be like, no, dude, does Kane have tits? And then I'd be like, well, my guys, I was like, dude, I, I used to say, I'm like, dude, Kane's got a pussy. Let us fuck your pussy. Not good. I'm telling you now. All right. Now, uh, but, but that the joke, and then I would go into more after that, and the joke, honestly, would be like 50-50. And then I kept reevaluating it, and women do not like the term pussy. They don't. Right. It turns out. So I changed two little things in it. I changed it from, dude, Kane's got a pussy, which to, dude, Kane's got a vagina, which guys would never say. But for the joke, it works. I'd be like, dude, Kane's got a vagina. And then I would say, Kane, let us fuck it. Which kind of like, it's like it removes it. And it's like it's its own separate thing. And now the joke does great always and it but it it's yeah. just that little fucking you know the the audience is going to let you know uh is going to be your gauge you know so bom that's what's great about the bombing thing i also like i also like uh bombing takes care of uh it, like okay just like how you have a fat on a joke and how you like shorten it up and get right to the point i feel like when you bomb that also does it for your voice in comedy it like like stop sounding like not you 
because then all of a sudden you, you'll bomb so much you'll get comfortable in silence and you'll start realizing like, oh, silence isn't the problem, noise is when no one's paying attention. And then you start just fucking having a good time and you start being yourself and before you know it, you're no longer doing your material, you're just being yourself and because you're already funny because you've been a funny person from the get-go, that's why you started stand-up. You weren't a not a funny person. It's like, hey, let me go not be funny on stage. <laughs> this fucking makes no sense. So all of a sudden you start becoming yourself and you start becoming more easy and smooth and, and before you know it, you're just... You're, you're on a stream of consciousness, and then you're like, oh, let me just add some of this material now in how I talk, as opposed to my imitation of a stand-up comic or what I used to think it sounded like or should have sounded like, you know? So I think bombing does take care of that, too. It starts trimming down the fat of your personality. Is bombing... Oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, I just wanted to say something, because you were talking about enjoying the silence or, like, getting used to this, and mm -hmm. I, I find that women especially, we don't react the same way to silence as the men... Male comedians, yeah, like that was talking. A real, you guys be talking, right? No, no, like we, we I, I don't want to say, I don't want to seem too sexist or, you know, but um, there are differences. There are differences. Us. That's but, fine. Uh, you know, like I, I just know, especially when I started in New York, like men and women react very differently to the silence when we're on stage, and that's a very important point, just to get used to the silence and learn to enjoy that. Because that does inform what you're going to do. Yeah, it's like in relationships. If, you know, it's true. It's yeah. like if your girl is silent, you're like, fucking finally. She's not like yelling at me about whatever it was we were fighting about. Like you're happy. But like in reverse, if you're having an argument, your man's silent. You're like, what the fuck? He's not even talking to me. It's like that's how we yeah. react to audiences. Like I'm just Why watching Sports like Center. You're like, what's they? wrong? Yeah, I, I know, like, but I'm what are you thinking about <laughs> yeah. while you're watching Sports Center? <laughs> I, mean, I was just going to say the, the best part of bombing is when your buddies are in the room huh. and are the only ones laughing. Yeah. Or you're the, it's the you're flip bombing. of it. You're the only one laughing at your buddy bombing. And then afterwards, you know, you guys get to fucking bond over that. Oh, dude, that's the best. Sometimes it's so painful. I actually had to ban someone from my open mic because he was so hard to watch. I sat there every week like, oh, he would, he would walk in and be like, oh. It was like a punch in the stomach and he'd walk in. And just, oh. He was so bad <laughs> i actually had to leave him a voicemail and ask him to please never come back <laughs> and his name was captain trip god rest his soul <laughs> it's true if you know him you know captain trip <laughs> when we dead. think about bombing how often is it the crowd versus the comic and is there ever truly a distinction yes there is truly a <laughs> distinction Sometimes you get a crowd that's, so I had, I was opening for Dave Attell at the uh, stand-up live one time, and the early show Friday was fucking amazing. It was great. This crowd was on fire. They were Dave Attell's crowd, right? So you can curse, you can say whatever you want. They're there for edgy. I can talk blowjobs all night. Everybody's happy, whatever it is. Everybody's good, you're cool. Yeah, you're on a high. And then the late show Friday rolls around. People are tired from work. The show started almost a full hour oh, late. God it's Dave's it. crowd, so they're all wasted. They get in. You know, it's supposed to start at 10. It's starting at like 11. It was hot. They're waiting in the line outside of Stand Up Live, waiting to get. It's still 100 degrees at 10 o'clock at night. They're tired. They're annoyed. Terrible set. Terrible fucking set. And you go, you know what? 
it's not like so much like this crowd's terrible, but there are circumstances that will sometimes make a crowd not into you, no matter how good you're being or whatever. So yes, don't forget that. I hate when people are like, it's don't blame the crowd. Sometimes it's the crowd. Yeah. Remember that. And circumstances around the show that's set up. Because yeah. like I, I run, uh, I book for the Oakland A's, uh, some the, 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 the baseball team game. They want to be a book a comedy club, comedy show, so I've started booking, and they weren't listening to me. I go, it's too well lit, and also the ceilings are too high up, and I go, and on top of that, uh, the sound was bad, and I'm like, it's not going to be a good show because these three things aren't, because people, when they see each other laughing, there's a lot of science that comes into yeah, stand-up as well. Even the, not only that, comedy clubs should be cold. That's another yes. thing, too. They shouldn't yes. be, yeah, they shouldn't be warm. Because then people get warm, they get, they get all fucking fussy, or they get tired. tired. Yeah. And so it's like, they, little things like that can make the crowd fucking seem to Like she said, waiting an hour, getting pissed off, getting drunk, all these little things come into play. So sometimes it's not always necessarily the comic's fault. You can address these things and talk shit and joke about them. But then again, you might, if, that's if you're doing a long period of time. So it's like, I gotta keep these people entertained and happy for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. So it's a... Uh, it's a good thing. I, I, I feel, for me personally, I feel that if you get on the road and do all this shit and bomb like that and start getting all this stuff under your belt, you'll be a way better comic when the opportunity comes to you. So it's like you have all these tricks. Or you know you know that the light isn't that the that the way the tables are set up are in a like a fucking like a cafeteria Harry yeah. Potter or line. Well there's like a big chasm between you and the first and you're like, yeah. no, we gotta move these. I when I went on tour with Nick Guerra. And we were overseas performing for the military. So these are military shows. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing regarding, like, setting up a comedy room. You know, they just were allowing us to be there, basically. And Nick would go in. If you don't know Nick Guerra, look him up. He's amazing. And he goes around, and he gets to the room an hour before the show, and he re he restages the whole thing. He moves all the chairs. He moves, he's like, I need these lights here. We need this there. Bring up the volume. I need all the And he restated the entire thing. He change the way the shows went because all the chairs are now facing there's not people facing that way or people, and it it's so important and yeah. if you walk in you're not going to be like oh hi um this comedy club and wherever wherever can you move away around your table like you can't but sometimes if you just put it in your head like i'm going to need to work extra hard to get over this challenge or whatever then it's, it's better. If you just go and going, I don't understand. You're like, well, because there was 150 feet between you and the closest person. Yeah. It's, uh, it, I was just going to say, anybody that's ever, that ever says it's never the audience, I'll say, do a corporate gig <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday during football yeah. in Seattle, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I had to do. At, I had to do it at like 1.30, a corporate gig. Uh, the Seahawks were playing. And so all, I was like, I'm like, okay, I just want to get this fucking 30 minutes over with. So I'm like, where, where do we, where do you want me to go? And she was like, oh, I just figured you could just walk around until, I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I go, all right, I'm just going to start. And she goes, all right. So I literally just stood under the football game. So I at least felt like oh, eyes were coming towards me. And I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of a setup and, ah, fucking go, Marshawn. You know, it's yeah. like, let me just get this over with. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, it's tough. We're gonna bring up um, our first guest. We've got Matt White from Oak City Comedy Festival yeah. coming up. Yeah. And while Matt is making his way up, a question for the panel. How do you follow someone who just bombed? Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of well, ways. Well, my 
first number one rule is to never address that they bombed. To never call them out or shame them or be like, wow, <laughs> how about for some real comics? Never do that. Okay. Because guess what? I was that guy bombing the last show. Yeah. Like, never fucking do that. And once in a while, even like, especially if it was my show, like if I was running it for whatever reason, you know, maybe like say like, you know, just want to remind you guys, some of these comics are real new and they're coming out here and just, you know, like performing for you. So give it up for everybody you see. You know what I mean? Kind of what if they what them. if they bomb? What if it's something about the material? Like what if they have like this shitty like joke they ended on an AIDS punchline or they say, let me fuck no. that pussy. <laughs> Would you address like Jesus, this fucking guy? No, no, because I always feel like that could be me. And like at any given time I can, I never want to shame a coworker that's, yeah. you know, that's because it's, you know, we've it's all I feel yeah, the same way too. Like, I, like it's like that thought process. Even like when someone like breaks down on the side of the road, I'm like, I don't want to laugh. I know. Or, because or I was like, point oh. or like yeah. if they get pulled over. Because I'm like, like, in a mile I could be me. Thank yeah, you. So that's yeah. <laughs> so it's I, karma. Yeah, yeah. It's, like it's, it's a comedy karma. Yeah, you just go up and do your best. Do your you stuff. know, And just hope just, that it soothes the pain of the last bomber. Yeah, just like you uh, try to ride the wave of uh, someone that just killed it. Yeah. Try to do the same for someone that just bombed. But it's like, you know, like, all right, well, you got the energy here. Well, let me bring it here. Bop, 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 bop. And yeah. if you're a good comic, you don't need to be fucking worried about the next person or the person behind your person. If you're right. a good comic, worry about you. Yep. And you'll have a good set and you'll do good. You'll be fine. I like this guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Um, what is one of your most memorable instances of bombing, and how did you adjust and uh, recover from it? Okay. Um, I don't like talking about this. <laughs> I, I was doing like a Martin Luther King show. Um, so it was an all-black room, and at first I was like, okay, I already know my material is not going to work. But I was headlining the show. I was like, okay, maybe they might come for me. They did not. Um, so I, I, I psyched myself out. That's the, the first thing I did wrong. I psyched myself out throughout the whole show. I watched every comic go on stage and kind of like, um, for lack of other words, like just black it up. Just um, pretty much just like chitlin' the shit out of it. Like um, they, they did all the, the classic stuff to me that I've seen. <laughs> They did all of that. Even the clean comment that don't cuss started cussing. Like I was like, "Yo, what? You gonna you gonna do this?" So, and I was the headliner of the show. So I watched all this happen, and the whole time I was like, "This is not good. This is not good." But I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it." Time for me to come up on stage. I got up there. I usually try to start with some type of like riffing to the audience and stuff like that. First thing I said, got him. So I was like, okay, all right, this might be good. Second thing, did not get them. <laughs> and um, I, <laughs> I got a lot of sisters, so um, I hate black women feedback. That mm, I hate that. And what I said to the crowd came from all of them. This is like, mm, this is, mm, this is not good. I didn't even think what I said was that bad. I was just, I was like, y'all heard all this stuff? All you watched the dude who talk about sucking dick and falling balls, and I can't say y'all might be licking each other? I'm like, they didn't like that. They did not like that, and I, whew, I stopped. I kind of like, I stayed on stage. I was supposed to headline the show. I stayed up there for 20 minutes, but I didn't tell not one of my jokes. I was just, you know what? I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Just joke me. Just joke me, because then if you joke me, like, ah, I, I could probably say something. I could probably get you back for, okay, you thought you were funny. Okay, I got you on the riffing. Right. Now, they didn't even want to joke me. So, <laughs> like, they were supportive. Oh. 
And I, I just, I, I'm out in my head. I was just too, I was too far gone. Because I was like, my, my style from the get-go wasn't like, I don't want to do a certain thing. I want to do the things that I want to do. I want to I have my voice to a certain extent. I don't want to compromise on that. And I didn't. So I, was, I guess I was proud of myself that I stuck it out. But um, <laughs> after the show, I even told the guy that booked me, I said, hey, man, you ain't got to pay me the whole thing for the show. <laughs> I was just uh, like, you ain't got to pay for the whole thing. But a car ride home, my boy uh, that went with me, he was a wet comic. He did well. Um, <laughs> but he had, oh, he heard me vent on the car ride home. It's like, and it, uh, it, it sucked. Uh, I forgot about that show. Um, <laughs> but nah, it, um, but the, the thing that I learned from it, though, is I gave up. Mm. Like, I gave up before I thought they wouldn't like my stuff. So I didn't even try it. And like they then I come to come to find out they was actually pretty supportive. They kind of want they they stood there the whole they were like look they are they was they were engaged the whole time, but I, I was I was I was too far gone. I was like you know what um, fuck this. Um, it was it was it was Martin Luther King show too. I was that like, reminds me of this uh, is not his dream. Um, <laughs> I was featuring for Leslie Jones. Mm. Uh, the week before I had done the Bay Area Black Comedy Competition, I was the only white guy in the finals, did great. I'm doing the exact same joke a week later, opening for Leslie, all black room, urban room, whatever the fuck you want to say. Uh, and I'm eating a hot one. Uh, and I do this one joke and it bombs. And I was so annoyed that it fucking wasn't working that I just, you were asking, like, how do you address it? I looked at the audience and I just go, I don't give a fuck. I just said, I don't give a fuck. I finished my set, didn't like me, didn't do well. I go in the green room and Leslie goes, Jay, what happened? I go, I'm sorry, Leslie, I don't know what happened. But Leslie was like, talking about, you know, how what do you do if someone bombs in front of you? Leslie was like, that's a good joke, Jay. She was like, fuck them. And then Leslie went up and spent like 10 minutes shitting on the audience while I'm in the back. She's like, oh, did Jay offend you, you sensitive motherfuckers? And she was like, fuck all of you. And I'm in the back. She's like, Jay, fuck all of them. That's a good joke. And I was like, I love you, Leslie. <laughs> Matt, but, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Before you, uh, before you head back to your seat, any really good advice that you've gotten um, on how to handle bombing that you'd like to share with some of the comics that are here and might listen later to the podcast? Um, some of the stuff has already been said, but I like to stay in it to a certain extent because you never know what you'll find. You never know what if, they not, if they're still looking at you, they're engaged. If something didn't get a laugh, just stay in it and just see what you can create out of it. That's my thing. I like learn how to write on stage for to, for a little bit instead of just accepting the fact that this didn't work and just giving up. I see a lot of comics in my area just like like eject when something don't work and most of the times it's the setup. Like they expect the setup to be funny and it's like, yo, keep going. Keep going, work it out. But they just, I'm out of here. It's like, you can see it, they're gone. But, just keep going with it. You never know what's going to happen. Just keep going with it. You might find something to a certain extent. So, Yeah, just uncomfortable for a second, and then just try to lean into it It could be bit. fun. I mean, being uncomfortable to a certain extent, you get, it, you'll get used to it after a while. It's like, keep going with it. That uncomfortable silence might create something. You might find, play off the how uncomfortable it is to a certain extent. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt, so much for joining us. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thanks for having me. Can I take this? Yeah, you can take All that. Right, cool. <laughs> uh, and then now we can bring up. Uh, <laughs> Jenny doesn't get water. We're bringing up our second special guest, uh, Jenny Stencil. She's with Idiot Box Comedy. 
and North Carolina Comedy Fest. Jenny, thanks hey, so much thanks for joining for us. And we've got the, the same tough question. <laughs> I bombing. forgot about this, but yeah. I remember it now. Uh, <laughs> I was like doing okay with comedy. Not, I wasn't headlining, but I was not ruining shows and <laughs> like feeling like, oh, okay, like people were asking me to do shows and not, like I wasn't the one girl, right? Like I was like, all right, there's two of us. I'm funny, right? And so uh, uh, I got, somebody recommended me to an agency that does booking for Oliver Southeast. So I was like, this was so nice. And so I got a, a week <laughs> at a club and I was like, all right, they're like, you have to be pretty clean. And I was like, oh, I don't have that. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let me try to clean up what I have. And it's not as funny clean, but it's watchable. It's fine. It's, yeah, like if, <laughs> if that girl walked into my comedy club now, I'd be like, okay. I wouldn't be like, you, you don't have it. I would, you know, but, but I wasn't, I wouldn't be like, you're headlining next week, you know? <laughs> so um, I got there and they sent like a memo, like who, who comes to this crowd? And so it was like, it said people 40 to 60. And I was like, okay, I am 40 to 60. I can, I got this. Like that we know the same things. <laughs> Atari, right? Uh, and so when I got there, they weren't 40 to 60. They were 60 to dead. And um, that's different. And it's okay, like they can still think things are funny, but it was, they didn't think I was funny. Um, and as a matter of fact, I did think one lady was dead the entire show. Her mouth was hanging open and she was like head, head back and I was like, nobody's checking on her? Like, I think she's dead. Um, and so the host went up and he did okay. Um, and I was like, all right, they liked him okay. They're, they're not gonna mind me, They'll, they won't mind me. Uh, which is not your goal, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> uh, and so they minded me um, and I couldn't believe it because I was like, I couldn't get them on my side. I tried every trick I had. I like changed the jokes, I changed punchlines. I was like, I'll just make it a different punchline. <laughs> Improv. And uh, then I was like, well, they're gonna, this headliner's not gonna do well. And they stood up, these old people got their walkers and stood up for this guy. like. <laughs> They loved him, they, and he, I mean, he was super different kind of comic. Um, he looked like something that you'd see like in the 80s. Like he was, like, he was very skilled, but I hadn't seen a comic do comedy like that before since I was like a kid on TV. Like, like it was like, uh, and, and they just dug him. No, <laughs> so, but then I was like, I have four more nights here. And they hated every joke, and those were all the jokes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, go back to my room and try to write some jokes about this state so that I can get them on my side and then get through the rest. And uh, so luckily, it was it's a state where it gets really hot and so I was out on the beach and I got sunburned and they loved that I got sunburned. <laughs> they were like, you got sunburned in February. <laughs> and, and so like they were on my side for that night. It was pretty good. Um, I still got my time cut <laughs> for the rest of the week. I mean, I was bad. They should have cut my time. They should have given me the fuck, the light. They should have given me the light. The hook. Uh, yeah, because, <laughs> and, and I was like, so I come back home and I'm like, how is every, how'd it go? And I was like, it went terribly. Uh, and I was like, all you guys go on the road and say how great you do. Are you telling the truth? <laughs> like, is it always great? And they're like, no, it, we bomb too. We just don't talk about it. I was like, oh, I bombed so bad. <laughs> 
people wouldn't make eye contact with me. So that's my... Like, old people didn't even, like, give me butterscotch on the way out. They weren't, there wasn't even, like, pity buddies butterscotch. Like, I, it was rough. Jenny, what is your best advice on how to adjust and correct when you're bombing? <laughs> I didn't do it that night. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you could have redone it. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I think advice-wise, everyone is so different that I think the things I do probably wouldn't work, right? Because you have to find your way. But I do think the things I see people do wrong are like, at the comedy club, they, they tell the audience they weren't funny very early. So with the first bomb, like the first bomb joke, or the joke that was some three people laughed and nobody else did, but like some people thought it was funny. You see people go, "Oh, you hated that," and then and that's like super common. And then then already people are like, "Oh, you're not professional." Okay, and so then your second joke, if it doesn't get a great reaction, the same thing you'll see people just go down stairs they shouldn't have gone down. You know, wait a while before you give up on it, like. That's the thing I think I see. Um, I just make new punchlines, and I don't think you're supposed to do that. <laughs> listen, if it works, it works. <laughs> I feel like a good rule of thumb is to like never take, I don't know, some people think the opposite, but I think if they ask you to do a half an hour set, if you don't have 40 minutes, you probably shouldn't be accepting a half an hour set, because if some shit's not working, you may need to go a different direction. Yeah, I wish someone had said that to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. I'm, I'm, big, I'm not invited back this year. I'm not invited. Oh. <laughs> you can come back to Big Town. Oh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, um, okay, so to get, to learn how to like handle a bomb well or, or dealing with stuff like that, like I'm a big proponent about in comedy being a host and being a good host and continuing to be a host until you can be a feature. Because like being a host lets you know how to dig yourself out of your own hole. Not only that, but lets you dig yourself out of other people's hole. Like you're asking about like someone bombs beforehand. Like what do we do? You set, you reset the room. You figure out how to get them back, and you figure boom, boom, before you know that. And then when stuff like when you get bigger, longer sets, and you know this shit's not going well, and you're like, fuck, I got, I'm, I got 30 minutes, but I, I think I just wasted all of it in five. You know, and you're like, okay, well let me let me just stop and let me reset the room and let me get back to square one and let me let me get the timing back and let me get and I think being a good comedian, you have to you know I would I would I would say be a be a good host and I used to always take bullet to at all the open mics so I can set the tone of the room so I could set the bar and then also to go run and do another mic too because it just run around so so that that was my goal and then. And then so the bombings came few and far between after I started doing that. And I started taking pride in hosting. People don't like taking pride in hosting because they're like, oh, well, then I'm going to be a host the whole time. Ugh. And it's like, so? Be a host. You know what hosts do? They get a lot more work than features and headliners most of the time. They, they, they don't get paid as much, but they get to get more reps and get more time. And before you know it, they're making a little bit of change. You're making a little bit of money. You're, you're doing nine shows a month maybe you're getting 50 bucks and that's that adds up not only that you're getting a good stage time in front of not open mic audiences you're getting it in front of audiences you know and then boom your test kitchen constantly blah, blah, blah. and before you know it you got 30 minutes that's strong and then you don't even fucking start going out i didn't go out until i had 45 minutes strong till i started asking or even hoping that i could be a feature you know i didn't i was like i want to be solid i want to be able to where i'm on stage and i see them do the signal like hey stretch cuz the headliner's not ready that i had it cuz i cuz i feel like 
this is always a job interview, and you can get exposed, you oh, know. Really? <laughs> yeah. And like I know this is this is like a sidebar, but yeah. to what you're saying, it's so important to be a good host. If you can host, I know some people can. It's just like not in them or whatever. But if you can host, host. I cannot tell you how many corporate MC gigs I have gotten that pay really fucking well yeah. because people have just seen me hosting. Like sometimes they see you middle or headline, they don't necessarily think about you like for their. But if they see you like, hey, you guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. We're gonna have so much fun. We're raising funds for da 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 da, and we love that you guys came out. We know it's a Tuesday. The partiers come out on Tuesdays. Yeah. Any loser can come out on a Friday night. Am I whatever? Yeah. They see that and they go, oh, she can MC our event. And then the next thing you know, you're making $2,000 to go 15 minutes down the block and host the freaking Arizona Tourism Awards or some shit. Yeah. And like, hey, now I don't have to work the rest of the fucking month. Like, that's nice. And a host is a huge, huge advantage being yeah. a good one. And I got no ego about it, too. Like, I'll headline, I'll host, I'll middle, I don't give a fuck. If a, if a comedy club was like, I don't know you. And I was like, fine, that's great. I'll MC, and you'll see. And then if you want to have me back, I'll keep coming back as MC until, until you have me back. Like she said, too, if you're a good host, man, I'm not even trying to flex or anything like that, but like in two weeks, I'm doing a golf. I don't know how to fucking play golf. I don't know shit about golf. <laughs> but they're like, you can host our, our golf event. Two grand to do 15 minutes. Right? I was like, what? That's rent for like hella days. I, know. <laughs> I was going to say Wait, one other thing, live? too. Sacramento. <laughs> Like, uh, just getting into clubs that you're not in. Mm -hmm. uh, another good thing, like like you said, you, if you have no ego and you're like, hey, I'll host, and maybe they'll say, like, hey, I'll give you a off night to headline. Yeah. So let's say you're going to host the whole weekend and headline Sunday. So you crush it as the host. They're going to see you more every time you're going up, and you're going to be plugging your show for the weekend. Yeah. And people fucking, they, you know, you, if you're good at it, they're going to love the host, and then they're going to come to your show on Sunday. Truth. Yeah. Hey, Jenny, before you head out, any final words of advice or words of wisdom on how to handle bombing? No. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Just attack the crowd. Just mm. keep doing yeah. the best yeah. you can. I mean, you I'm, just got to live I'm through it. I'm a Michael it. Richards yeah. elk. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, just, it hurts, but you know what? It's not like you got broken up with. You know, like, I mean, your husband could have left. You, your dog could have got hit by a car. Okay, why? All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny Stencil, thank yeah. you so much. Uh, Woo! They minded. <laughs> All right, we've reached the portion where we're ready to take any questions from the audience. So if anybody has a question, just raise your hand, speak loudly. Uh, loudly. I'll repeat it into the microphone. So any questions from anybody out there? <laughs> yes, Phil, sir. Yes, of course. Uh, All right, hold on real oh, quick. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try to summarize Phil's question. Okay, so the question Fuck, Please do. Fuck. The, the question <laughs> is I Felt like we just sat through a set. <laughs> uh, I'll make it a tight 5. Okay, so the question is 
Have you guys ever been um, on a show or had a really big show coming up where you started to get in your head about your material, about your jokes, because it really was that big of a deal? And in that moment, you got so in the minutia of the details that maybe the set got away from you and you started to feel distant from it. And how do you navigate future shows where it is kind of on you to have a really good show and you want the material to shine and you're able to kind of get out of your head and avoid the bomb? I, uh, oh, you want to go? Oh, I, I got a great one, but go okay. ahead. I, I, I did it so hard one time I worked myself into anxiety attack. And I don't even have, I don't really have them very often, but I was at the, uh, I was at a comedy club and I was going over my stuff so much that I started like, is that even good? Am, yeah. I, am I even yeah. good? Do I even what? have it yeah. six minutes? Yeah, what am I doing? Like, why am I here? And then everything in my body and my brain said, you don't have to do this if you don't want. And I was like, that's an wow. option? Wow. Jesus. And I was like, fuck it then, let's go. Let's get out of here. Come on, let's go. Move legs, let's go. And so I was about, and I was like, I was starting to like, my my hands got like numb and I couldn't move and I was like, fuck man. And I'm talking about, I've been doing it, like at this point I've been doing it 10 years, you know? And then, um, and then they were like, do you want, do you want us to like not do you have somebody else go up for you? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I go, oh, no, 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 no. Because then all of a sudden the thought popped in my head. There's no sick days in stand-up, you know? So I got it. I was like, no, fuck that. So I walked and every every step, and this is all happening from the, like the, you guys keep your table talk down to a minimum. Everyone, the exit doors, it was doing that. Oh, boy. So my name was coming up. This is like all happening within 60 seconds, like from when the cop is walking up to the door, you know? And, um, and so I get on stage. And uh, and everything is like fucking pumping, and then I say the first joke, and then it hits, and then it all comes back. I was like, I know how to do this, and I don't function like that. I don't. When I do stand up, I don't stay to a script because that's not who I am. I I have fun. This is fun. I do this to have fun. I don't do this because I don't like it. And then that just that thought process jumped in my head. I was like, Yeah, I like to do this. This is. The reason I got into stand-up is because I love to do it. It's fucking fun. And when things like that, outside occurrences of like, big show and I might never do this again. Oh my God, that's all made up in your head. That shit doesn't exist. Those are, those are futures and pasts that don't exist. You're in the present. So whatever your brain is telling you, to, it's, your brain only knows, just really quick, I don't wanna get too crazy into this psychology. But if you guys are ever having this problem when you're about to bomb, this is something that can help you because it helped me before. Uh, your brain only knows the present. There's no such thing as the past and the future. That doesn't exist. Whenever you start thinking of bombing, that's the future, it's anxiety, you're feeding your brain negative thoughts. And your brain doesn't know, it's, is this happening? It's happening now, and your body's reacting. Same thing with the past. All of a sudden you start getting sad, I bombed that. So if you start thinking about the best set that you've ever had, keep it, to your, keep it, keep a good set to yourself. Remember everything about it. Remember the steps you, remember the shoes you wore, remember the floor it looked like, remember if you grabbed the mic or if you didn't, What's, what, what was the first face you looked at, where you were at, the, then the joke, and before you know it, your brain is back to that time when you had that good set, and whew, you continue to have that good set. And you, t you reset your own self. Just like you reset the room, you reset yourself, and then you can go on and do your good set. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great advice. I'll, just, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. I'll remember the time Carlos crushed. <laughs> like, yeah. Remember what he was wearing. Uh, I had um, this type of scenario come up recently. Uh, a buddy of mine, Kev on stage, who, Great dude. He's a he's got like four million followers across social media. Actually, Tony Baker, your headliner, who's amazing, uh, features for for Kev usually. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So they do a tour, real social, real comedians of social media, uh, and it's ninety five percent churches, uh, ninety five percent black churches. So um, Tony got sick, and uh, Kev hit me up, and because we're buddies, he was like, "Hey, you want to feature for a couple of dates?" So I was like, "Sure." 
And uh, and then, so I'm like, okay, obviously it's going to be clean. But I didn't know to the extent of how clean. I mean, obviously I know there's no sexual stuff, this and that. But Kev, like before we went out, he was at Flappers working out a joke about he prefers to pee sitting down, right? And I, I just casually, I was like, oh, you should mention that. Of course you have to tuck. And he goes, oh, Jay, you can't say tuck in church. And I'm like, it's not even sexual. He's like, nah, you can't do that. And I'm like, then I start getting in my head. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to talk about in this church? Like, I can't, like, I'll be, I'm known to say Jesus Christ, like Jesus Christ. I'm like, can't say that in church. So I'm doing 30 minutes of the squeakiest of clean. And that first set, I'm in the, I'm like sitting there freaking out and Kev's like, what's wrong? And I'm, I'm like, I want to, obviously I I don't want to, you know, you don't want to swear. You want to, don't want to offend anybody. But also I'm thinking like, I don't want to mess anything up for Kev, which I couldn't mess anything up for Kev, you know, but I'm just in my head about all this. And so my set was not in the moment because I'm so focused on like, you know, okay, don't say this part here, you know, cut this part, go to this next joke. And uh, that first set was not my best, wasn't happy with it. It was fine, I guess, to the audience. Um, but then once I got like my sea legs, then I was fine. But that first one, I was I was in my head so much about it. But uh, yeah, and, and also... Uh, Kev wanted me to open with this very specific joke that I'm like the, the I love blacks, that joke too. Yeah. Yeah, that's a and I'm joke. like Kev, let me figure this out first before I open with that. But yeah, that I got in my head. But after that, I was I was good after that first one. I did uh, after doing Heart of the City. Um, they hit us up a bunch of us to come and do just for laughs last summer. So we got to go to Montreal. They hit me up like three weeks before. I had to like cancel gigs. I was like, I'm gonna cancel this because I'm going to Montreal. You know, I'd made it clearly. And um, welcome Orpheum. And uh, yeah, I mean, I felt very like this is it. You know, you do feel that way. And I was very excited. And I was doing it, and it was for the LOL Network, Kevin Hart's LOL Network, and they talk about production, like this shit was, there were lights and makeup and cameras and rehearsals and giant letters lit up, I mean, it was incredible, they had us bring wardrobe and there was very specific, like, no, of these colors, but bring these colors in, and I was like, you know, I mean, I go on stage, I'm in a black tank top, jeans, and short boots of some kind, that's pretty, or sneakers, that's it, that's what I wear, that's what I do. I get a little lip gloss, some eyeliner, and you know, that's me. You know, you're gonna yeah. get a big afro tonight, that's how my hair goes. And I was like, I'm gonna be on like LOL Network Fancy. They like did my makeup, my hair was like shellacked. I had on like this blue shirt, of course. Immediately before going on, I did this, don't wanna ruin my lipstick thing, and got water all over the front of my shirt. They were like blow drying it, but like the material was like crinkling up oh, as they no. were blowing. I was like, oh my God! And I had on like this jacket that didn't quite button and I had on high heel boots. Who the fuck? I'm like paranoid. I'm going to fall. I'm in these boots. Who wears high heels? What am I thinking? I didn't bring any other shoe. I specifically didn't bring another shoe because I thought, no, if I bring another shoe, I'm going to want to change. I should wear the, I didn't bring another fucking shoe. I went out there and all my jokes had to be clean. It was TV. So they had to be in a certain order. So they made sense. We had a certain amount of time. Not like on stage where like you, I like to riff. I'll talk. I could say one thing and I could do 40 minutes just talking shit to an audience member instead of my act like I was so in my then also these speakers because the three guys before me um, were very very loud so what they did was they pulled the uh, sound down as I get up and so the whole balcony couldn't even hear me like my boyfriend was up there he's like 
I know your jokes and I couldn't hear what you were saying. So there, but I didn't know that. So all I hear is like, none of them are laughing. And I'm like, in my head, I gotta be clean. I gotta follow script. Why the fuck am I wearing high heels? What's with the hairspray? I was removed, like you said, from the set. And it didn't feel good. It didn't. And there's all these people on it were like, yeah, they killed. And I was just like, hated my life. And everyone's going out to party after. And I'm like, I think we'll just go home and order poutine. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it was fine. I didn't bomb, but it definitely didn't feel good. And I was in my head about, don't deviate. Don't deviate. If you're comfortable, you know, like, sure, maybe like we're a newer sneaker or whatever, but don't, don't be yourself. It's really important because if you're not yourself, you're not going to feel like yourself. And that will reflect in your comedy. Yeah, yeah deviating. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm saying definitely deviate. Yeah, yeah when you deviate, that's when you fuck shit up. Yeah. Pardon my language. But, you know, especially when you're auditioning, if it's a big audition. I had a big audition for Aspen years ago, and I was going to tape um, Premium Blend during the same week. And I sat down with the manager I was working with at the time. Ooh, sorry, I banged the table. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So, uh he he and I sat down and he was like, you know, I think this joke should be over here and you should close with this over here and you've only got six minutes and you should take this and put it. So when I got up for the Aspen audition, I was just in my head, totally not in the moment, out of my element completely, trying to work cleaner than I usually do because I had the other TV thing coming up. So I'm trying to clean up a little bit for that too. And I didn't know what was I, what I was going to say next. And so I bombed that audition so severely I went back and put everything the way that it was so I could kill my set for the TV thing coming up later in the week so don't listen to somebody who does not do your set tell you how to do your set that's the worst thing you can ever do you will tank your audition yeah yeah he is an asshole I ain't gonna say his name right now but you tell me later DM me DM me (laughs) and I'll tell y'all that'll be fun I said y'all. I think he's gone now. <laughs> you should say y'all. It's gender inclusive. I'm from Brooklyn. No, we don't correct. say y'all. We say use guys. It, should, guys. it shouldn't happen like that. That's because y'all patriarchal up in the Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I went to ASU. I don't either. <laughs> I was like, are they talking about the Patriots? They're talking about football. Check us out. Well, it means no. don't fall in the lake. Oh. Just kidding. Again. I remember one time I uh, I was at Laughs Unlimited at my home club uh, and I because I didn't go over my set and this was when I was younger and I didn't go over the set and I said some shit I shouldn't have said. Um, it was a it was a it was a it was a benefit for a kid that had passed away oh, of cancer. I love this story <laughs> already. <laughs> I'm so nervous right now. No, it was well because I had well because like I was young. So if you're a younger comic, just it's it, you definitely go over your set and figure it out because like <laughs> I didn't I didn't know how to read the audience yet. Well, I it didn't it was oh, so okay. So the kid had passed away from cancer. They had been doing this this benefit for him for like years. And uh, so I went up and I was doing my set and I had this joke that it was an early joke that I wrote about how like I don't buy my girlfriend flowers because if I'm going to buy anything that dies, I might as well have a kid. And so (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It was because it's a joke, but it's like it's like, yeah, you know, like so. And they all laughed. But I used to talk so fast because I want because I because I wanted to get everything in that that 10 minutes. I want to get 30 minutes of material into 10 um, that uh, that they all laughed. But then after a while, they realized what they had laughed at. Did that motherfucker just say Yeah, did he just say that? So I got off stage and I remember the owner was like, he goes, what the fuck is your problem? I go, I go, I am so sorry. I did not, I, I just, I only know these, 
these things. I only know seven seven things. And I was like, and I went through it. And he was like, he was like, I was like, I understand if I'm fired for the whole week, and I understand. I totally get it. I, I totally take blame for all that. And he goes, No, nah, don't worry about it. He goes, The parents and they weren't in in the room while you were while you said the joke. And I go, Oh, great. And he goes, I go, Where were they? He goes, They're there outside smoking a cigarette. And I go, What the fuck? Yeah. So I was Did like, Did the kid have lung cancer? Yeah, he got oh cancer. God. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been like, wow. Don't worry, I'll send him some flowers. <laughs> but do check your set though. I don't. That's why I said that story so you could check your set so shit so you don't bomb in that way because then the audience hate you. You don't want to bomb when the audience you hate hates yourself. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you're like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> eating a hot pocket in their hotel room and crying, watching Sports Center. And on that note, okay. <laughs> any final thoughts on bombing before we wrap up? Okay, so my third show ever, I ate total shit. I mean, you know, it was open mic, and there were like, it was awful. And I was friends with a very successful comedian, I'll say it, Sarah Silverman. And I texted her, because she knew I was doing comedy, and I said to her, oh my God, I totally bombed tonight. I don't know why I thought I could do this, because I had shown her the video of my first show, and I, I don't know why I thought I could do this. You know, what was I thinking? I totally bombed. You know, do you have any advice for me? And she wrote back, and she goes, I don't know, I, I've only ever killed. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> And she wrote back, no, idiot, of course, we've all bombed. She's like, I've bombed in front of, you know, three drunks in a room, and one of them was the bartender. Like, you have to bomb to get better. And I was like, okay, you promise? You have to bomb to get better. That's the moral of that story. Uh, two, I don't know if this, I guess it's related. They're both advice things, but uh, one, there's a, what's the old dude's name in Seattle? Yes, Hennigan. He's like a local legend in Seattle. Uh, and he talked about, like, you know, you, you we all see people on social media, just ripped, standing ovation, another standing ovation. And there was somebody in Seattle that would always post that. And I remember Hennigan said he's like, and Hennigan's been doing it forever, and he he does crush. And he's like, he's like I, don't, I don't think I've ever got a standing ovation. He goes, I think I was doing something wrong. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, so not, you know, just because... Uh, or doing stuff that everybody likes doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's great material. And the best advice I ever heard uh, was said to uh, Tyler Bowe, a buddy of mine. Yeah, and uh, I think it was fucking Dick Doherty told him. <laughs> but the, he said, um, when someone asks you who's your favorite comic, if you are not your own favorite comic, change your act. Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought that was like the dopest shit I ever heard. That's all I Fuck, I gotta change my act. <laughs> um, so does that mean I get to start doing Jesselnik's jokes? Is that what it means? Did you, do you have any? Uh, what? what was the question? Advice on bombing. Uh, yeah, just do it. Like, Because you do get better. You just have to just suck it up and work through it. It's like heartbreak. It's like, you know, yeah. you keep dating and keep dating until you find the right one. It's keep growth. Around. Yeah, yeah. Well, because if you're not bombing, you're not doing something right. Because yes. you yeah. just, you know, you're just tap dancing up there. Yes. Yeah, you know? or doing someone else's jokes that the audience doesn't realize yeah. are someone else's jokes. Right. And I, Ooh. by the way, will call you out on that. I love people come to my open mic and I'd be like, Show oh, your by the way, just so you know. Oh, yeah, my joke says, unfollow joke thieves. Oh, yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yes. Great. And it's that. fuck Jerry and the fat Jewish. Fuck those guys. I ordered this because Ben, Ed ben Edward Kaufman, local favorite down in Phoenix, total doll. He had the t-shirt, and I was like, I love that. He's like, they were selling them on the Steak'em website. Remember fucking Steak'em? Yeah. So I went and I ordered one, and uh, yeah, I think they still sell them. Unfollow joke thieves. Don't yeah. support these assholes who don't support us nope. and are making millions of dollars with our friends' jokes. Not yeah. my jokes, clearly, but some of my friends' jokes. Don't follow them. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. And I think that's the best way to wrap up this panel. Thank you so much to Jay Hollingsworth, Carlos Rodriguez, Jill Kimmel, and Lisa Landry. Enjoy the rest of festival, everybody. Thank you again.